Father, thank you for this place, for this time that you have foreordained, that every person who is here now is here because you would have them here what you would have them here. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to your people now in this place and that you would be glorified in all things. Bless your servant, our Pastor Tori, as he comes forward and as he brings us the word of God from Psalm 1. And again, speak to our hearts and our minds during this time. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Glad to be with you again on another beautiful afternoon in the park. If you see on your guide page, it says that we were planning to do a baby dedication this morning, uh, but the Wellmans asked us, the Wellman family, if they could reschedule that. So we are going to be doing that in the near future. Uh, I'm looking forward to that for Zion, for Zion Wellman. Uh, but today, we are gonna continue in our Summer in the Psalms. If you remember last week, our intern June opened up 30, Psalm 34 to us and did a wonderful job of bringing the message to us last week. And today, we're gonna to be looking at Psalm 1. Uh, before I jump into Psalm 1, a little bit about the Psalms in general. If you open up your Bible about halfway from beginning to end, you'll probably find the Psalms in there. And the Psalms include prayers. It's known as the prayer book of the Bible. And it contains prayers of wisdom, prayers of the coming Messiah, prayers of thankfulness, prayers of confession, prayers of lament. In fact, a third of all the Psalms are lament Psalms, teaching us how to, to, to lament well in a world that often, unfortunately, requires that. Uh, the Psalms are both in, written individually and communally, to be taken and treasured and prayed individually, but also as a family of believers. And today, we're going to look at Psalm 1. But what we're doing this week and next week involves talking about the introduction to all of the Psalms. The introduction. to all of the Psalms. And in case you didn't know, the introduction to the Psalms is found in chapter 1 and chapter 2. So what that means is, like any introduction, we're supposed to understand and read in light of Psalm 1 and 2 to understand the rest of what the Psalter is all about. So the introduction tells you about what the book is about and how to understand it. And so we're going to dig into the introduction this week and next week, starting today with Psalm 1. And so I want to give you very briefly what Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are all about before we read Psalm 1. So in a sentence, Psalm 1 is about striving to obey God's law. Psalm 1 is about striving to obey God's law. Psalm 2 is about awaiting God's Messiah. So when you put that together, the Psalms, according to the introduction, is about striving to follow, to obey God's law, as we await God's Messiah. Sounds 
familiar, right? That's what we're doing right now with our lives, striving to follow the Lord as we await the return of the Messiah. And so let's open up Psalm 1, if you do that on your phone or some kind of device or Bible in front of you or the person next to you, kind of glance over and open up to Psalm chapter 1, and I'm going to read it for you. Here's what it says. Blessed is the man. I want to note right away, singular. Man, individual. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That's Psalm 1. And here's the bottom line. Here's the main idea for the message. People, according to Psalm 1, are either blessed or will perish based on their relationship with the God of the Bible. People are either blessed or will perish based on their relationship with the God of the Bible. So we're going to break that down into two points. We're going to talk first about that first group, the, those who are blessed, the road to blessing. What does that look like? And we see that in verses 1 through 3. This, this person, this individual, blessed is the man. What does the road to blessing look like? We see that in verses 1 to 3. But then next, what about the road to destruction, the road to perishing? And we, we read that in verses 4 to 6. So that's where we're going. So first, the road to blessing in verses 1 through 3. I want us to talk about what does he mean by the, to be blessed? Secondly, what does the blessed person not do, we read in verse 1? And then, and then after that, what does the blessed person do, we read in verses 2 to 3? So first, what does it mean to be blessed? Because you read verse 1 of chapter 1, and it says, blessed is thee, and I just want to stop right there. What is he talking about? What does it mean to be blessed? I say it a lot, I've heard it a lot, I bless you, blessings over you, I hope that you're blessed. What do we mean when we say blessed? And the scripture is rich, full of what it's talking about when it says somebody is blessed. And I'm only going to cover some of what it talks about. So let me give you some examples of where the word blessed is used. It's used in the Old and the New Testament. I'm going to give you a couple examples. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, it says of the nation of Israel, blessed are you. Why? Because who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, and the sword of your triumph. Why were they blessed? Because God delivered them that God fought for them, that God protected them. That's what he meant by saying, you are blessed. A bunch of examples Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, not the mound, like I used to think, like the pitcher's mound, how they fit everybody up there on that little thing. But the mount of mountain, Jesus giving a message, and he keeps using this word blessed. Blessed is thee, blessed is thee, blessed is thee. And I want to focus on why he says they're blessed. And here's what he says about blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? They will be comforted. 
Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Why? They will inherit the earth. Why are they blessed? The kingdom of heaven is theirs. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. Next, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? They will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. They will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. So to be blessed so far, he's talking about, means to be saved by God, protected by God. God fights for that person. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They'll be comforted. They will inherit the earth. They'll be satisfied. They will receive mercy. They will receive God. And then he gives more. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted falsely. When people say all kinds of bad things about you for his name's sake, he says you're blessed. Why? Because your reward is great in heaven. Those are the kinds of truths that the scripture reveals when we say somebody's blessed. We're not talking about a temporary, I feel really good after that first sip of coffee from the coffee place. There's a bunch of good places here in Troy. Just for that first sip, iced coffee in the summer. Come on. Delicious. Happiness. Some of your translations say happy is the person, and then it goes in. Happy is not a strong enough word. We're not talking about a temporary situation that fades away in a few seconds. In fact, you're going to see the contrast between the blessed and those who are wicked has to do with either perishing or not perishing and being, being with the Lord for eternity. Temporariness. And so to be blessed, according to the scripture, has to do with some of these promises for the future of inheriting the kingdom of God, of being comforted, of being satisfied, of seeing the face of God by being called children of God. That's what it's talking about when it's saying this person is blessed. Anyone else want to be going down that road rather than the second road that's very clearly laid out both throughout the Psalms, Proverbs, Scripture, the difference between the wicked and the righteous, the foolish and the godly? Two roads. I want to make sure that I'm on that road of the blessed, quote-unquote. And believe me, I truly hope everybody listening, anybody walking by, is on that road as well. I really do. So how do we make sure we're on that road? It's a blessing. Well, we see what the blessed person both doesn't do and does. What does the blessed person not do in verse 1? Here's what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So let's talk for a second about what that can't mean. What that does not mean is that the blessed person, the person going down the road to blessing, that will be with the Lord and save, the person that's right with God, that does not mean that that person never has a conversation with or walks with or stands with or converses with those who don't know God. That can't be what it means. Jesus not only walked with, talked with, he ate with, which is a strong implication today, but even stronger then in that culture, that you, you, are, you are accepting, you are, you are inviting those people that you're eating with into community, fellowship. So it can't mean that. It can't mean, I'm going to pick out Paul Capera for a second, just because I picked on him before and he was a good sport. I wouldn't say, it, it, it can't mean Paul Caprera, let's say he was a raging heathen, which he isn't, but it couldn't be Paul's walking over there, I'm not going to walk over there with Paul. Paul's standing over there, I'm going to make sure that I avoid standing over there with Paul because he doesn't know God. 
It can't mean Paul's going to sit there and I'm going to make sure if he comes over, I'm going to say, see, taken, Forrest Gump, to make sure he doesn't sit next to me. That can't be what it means. So what does it mean? Look at what it says. Look closely. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel, in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way. That word way has to do with lifestyle of sinners, of those who don't know God. Can we, this is what it's talking about. The person who is blessed refuses to allow a kind of intimate influence to happen in their life by people that don't know God. They do not allow the primary place of people speaking into their life and influencing their lifestyle and how they teach and, and understand the world to come from those who don't know God. You see the distinction? It's really important. Because I really don't want to be in a church that says, I don't associate with that person because they don't know God. We're missing the whole point of being missional, which is all over the Bible, all over it. The point is, don't allow the primary place of influence in your life to be from those who don't know God. Don't let that be what's primarily affecting how you view and see yourself and God or not God in the world. Don't let it be about that. In the council, don't stand as in identify yourself, your lifestyle in that way. He's saying, don't be carried away by the multitude. So the question individually for you now is to think, who are the primary voices in my life? Is it the community of sons and daughters and other believers? Does the word of God have the place in your life that it is the primary influence for you? Or in reality, is it your friends at the gym? In reality, is it your friends at school or at the workplace or neighbors or the people, the maybe hundreds of people that you're following online where you get a sea of information and opinions and all of that constantly coming your way? What is actually motivating and influencing your life? How easy it is to get lost in the sea of information of where the multitude is headed if you don't listen to what he's saying here. Don't walk in the council. Don't stand in the way. Don't adopt the lifestyle. Also, notice the progression. It goes from walking, to standing, to sitting. You might start out with, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm listening to, you know, to their advice about all kinds of different topics, but I don't agree with it. I don't, I'm not, I'm not approving it. Remember, Jesus sat with, ate with, what that community and culture at the time called the, the lowest of the low people you can't. Jesus had felt he accepted them, but it didn't say he approved of the decisions. He never compromised truth. And so the, pro the progression here could be at first, yeah, I just, I listen to all kinds of these, but yes, they have more of a position in my life than maybe my church family or my whatever. And so it turns from a listening to, to eventually you're identifying yourself in that community that doesn't cherish and follow and love God. From hearing the counsel to identifying yourself with them to then all of a sudden you find yourself, you're sitting as in your, the, the idea of sitting, the seat of Moses has this idea of teaching that you're now talking about believing and letting others know that they should follow the way of the community that you now are following and believing and are, is impacting your life at the deepest level. Does that make sense? 
Africa. A person who is blessed walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. But let's stop talking about what the blessed person doesn't do and talk about what the blessed person does do. The road to blessing, what does that look like? Verses 2 to 3. But his delight, I want to point out again, is talking about a singular person. I'll swing back to that. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So what does the blessed person do? His or her delight is in the law of the Lord. Fun fact that I have to say to the five of you that might find this really interesting. The law, when you talk about the law, you could be referring to the first five books of Moses, the Torah. Genesis to Deuteronomy, five books. Fun fact, the book of Matthew, geared toward the Jewish audience, was broken into five discourses reflecting the law. The book of Psalms, trick question if you ever ask someone, how many books are in the Bible? And if they know the answer, they'd say 66. You could say and be that guy, Technically, technically, there's 71, because Psalms, the book of Psalms, Psalter, is broken into five books. You'll see it begins with book one, and then all these Psalms. It's reflecting the law. Side point. Also, when the Bible talks about the law, it can be referring to the entirety of the Old Testament, the entire, broadly speaking, of the instruction of the Lord, the Bible in general, from Genesis to Revelation, the law of the Lord. The New Testament talks about the law of Christ. And so the person who's walking on that road toward blessing is the one who delights in the word of God. Delights in it. Wants to know him. Wants to, to learn more about what does it mean to live well, to live wisely in this world. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. Where do we get wisdom? According to his word, we can't even start with it unless you start with the fear of God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And those who, who are on that road toward blessing, they cherish God. They want to know more about who he is and his will and his purpose for my life and those I care about. And Lord, enlarge my heart to care about more people. That they may know you as well. The light and the law of the Lord, to cherish, to treasure Him. I'm going to say, last night this verse came to my mind, and I'm not positive about this, but I'm pretty sure God put it there to convict me. As I'm standing up in front of all of you and talking about, this person is supposed to delight in God's Word, and I wish I could stand up here and say, every season, every day of my life, I just cherish and delight and cherish. Did I say that twice? I did. Delight and treasure God's Word. But He gave me this verse, Last night, Psalm 73, maybe some of you know it, it says, the psalmist speaking, he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. And I thought to myself, man, I wish I could honestly say that in every season of my life, in every day of my life, to say, God, I cherish you more than anything or anyone else. You are my delight. You are who I turn to every day, every night. I wish I could say that. But the truth is for me, and I'm guessing for all of you, is that 
there's times where we desperately need each other to hold each other accountable, to point to the Lord who cares about us that's worthy of our attention and our delights above anything and everyone else. I need you guys for that. I need the Lord to remind me of that, that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Every other relationship I enjoy comes from this God that we can cherish. So, the blessed person delights in the law of the Lord. What does it say next? On his law, he meditates day and night. What do you think of when you think of meditation? Are you thinking of a bearded, gray person on a mountain going home and emptying his mind? Maybe. That's the idea I would get if I just, you know, watch things and whatever. But that's not what the Bible talks about with meditation. Meditation is not emptying your mind. It's filling it. It's focusing. It's concentrating. It's chewing on the Word of God. Considering it, debate, talking about it throughout the day. Meditating. In fact, meditation involves our head, our heart, and even our mouth. According to Psalm 19, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Like they're connected. Both. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Joshua says something, the Lord says something to Joshua that sounds a whole lot like what we read in Psalm 1. Joshua 1, 8, I'm going to turn there for a second and tell you what it says. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Sounds a whole lot like what Psalm 1 just said, almost word for word. And he's saying, let it be on your mouth throughout the day. Talking about it, chewing on it, considering it. That's what meditation is about. Not about emptying your mind, but about filling it. And the person who's on the road to blessing is both delighting in God's word and thinking about it from throughout the day and in the night. Throughout the day, at our work, during our regular course of events for that day, in our relationships, thinking about, meditating, delighting in God's word. Or children of the light, 1 Thessalonians 5 says. Children of the day. But also at night, not just to do it for show. Not just so other people can see it and glorify our Father in heaven, but because that's what we cherish and that's what we treasure. And so we meditate on his word day and night. What does that lead to? It leads to verse 3. He's like a tree then, planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. What does it lead to? Well, this, these verses here, verse 3, a tree planted by streams of water, it's giving this illusion of an eastern method of cultivation, where they would, they would make rivulets of water run between rows of trees so that the trees always had a constant source of moisture and life. It's a picture of endurance, that no matter what's happening in our life, no matter what the different teachings we might hear from all the different influences we have in our life, we're planted, we're grounded in the Word of God, who constantly gives us life, nourishment, if you will, as the scripture talks about, nourishment to the bones, figuratively. 
figuratively, planted, and how that affects both the people in our life who they can count on, even if they hear something different from the Word of God, they can come and say, look, I've heard these different things, these different opinions, and I'm, I'm, I want to hear what you have to say about it, and you're ready, nourished, planted, rooted. It says, the root of the righteous will never be uprooted, it says, Proverbs. And you're ready to share. Because you're rooted in God's word. You delight in it. So. In all that he does, he prospers. That word prosper is the same word used in Isaiah 55 to speak of God's word that goes out from him and doesn't return void or empty, but accomplishes the purposes for which he sent it. That word accomplish, prosper, succeeds in the plan for which he sent it. When it's talking about prospering, it's talking about prospering in the ways that God decides is prospering. There were a lot of kings during the time of the Israelite uh, rule that did all kinds of military, political achievements, and they have a sentence or two, and it says whether or not God saw what they did as evil or what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It's his opinion that matters. What he's saying is when we are dwelling in, meditating on God's word day and night, you're going to live the kind of life that matters. You're going to live the kind of life that, that, that goes on and matures, that bears fruit, as it says. What, is it, what does it mean by fruit? Are we talking about bananas and apples and mangoes and cherries and peppers? Did you guys know peppers are fruit? I learned that when I got married. No idea. Is that the kind of fruit we're talking about? No. The kind of fruit of good works, the kind of fruit of serving people, the kind of fruit that is described in Galatians 5 that only the Spirit of God can produce in us, the fruit that lasts. We know this. We all know this deep down. A life of success and of prospering is so much more than what we hear of just the bank account or the successes in your work. We know the kind of life that's truly successful and that matters, prosperous in God's eyes, are the kind of life that displays the love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that comes from the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God inspired the Word of God that we dwell in, that we meditate on, and we think about, and He changes us to reflect Himself in those ways. And that's the kind of life someone's talking about that prospers, that succeeds in all that it does. So, the road to blessing. It involves refusing to allow the, the most intimate kind of counsel and lifestyle to be accepted, to be, to be given by people that don't know the Lord. I refuse to allow the biggest voice in my life to not be the Lord. And then secondly, what it looks like in an active sense is delighting in, meditating on the Word of God day and night. People either bless or perish based on their relationship with the God of the Bible. What does it say about those who perish? Verses 5 through 6. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It seems to me that he's jumping to the final judgment here. Because today it can very much seem like those who don't care at all and have no interest in knowing the God of the Bible, it can look 
very much like they're standing fine, like they're doing fine, like they're succeeding in many different kinds of ways. But the Lord is talking about a judgment that's yet to come. The Lord decides who stands and falls and what lasts and what doesn't and what's temporal and what's eternal. They will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. It doesn't go deeper than that in Psalm 1, but it contrasts what's temporary and what is eternal. Those who don't know God, they're cherishing something, they're treasuring something, they're being counseled by something in some way, and it's shown in their lifestyle, and it's shown in the way that they, that they counsel and how they teach. And it may be an outward, open rejection and mocking of God and heaven and hell and eternity and repentance and faith and things like that, or it, be, or it may look like quietly rejecting it all, but it's still impacting lots of people, including themselves an outright rejection of God. I've heard it many times, maybe you have a counsel that sounds fine, that sounds right, just live the best life you can, try not to hurt anybody, and you'll be fine in the end. But the Word of God says not once but twice, there's a way that seems right to a person, but its way is the end, ends in death. But its way is the end of death. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The difference between the wicked and the righteous, the foolish and the godly, is the relationship the person has with the God of the Bible. Not a God we make up on our own. Not a God that's a figment in our imagination. The God that has revealed himself in his word. Matthew 7 says, some will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do mighty miracles in your name? And he will say what? That you didn't do enough? That you should have done this? No. They'll say, I never knew you. It's a personal relationship, more than just facts. Knowing God. Do we know God? When we know God, we're going to be moved to delight in his word. Yes, it takes effort at times, as I said. But we're going to want to know more about him and grow in our relationship with him and see others come to a saving faith in him as well. We're going to want those things going to show, well then how do I know if I have a relationship with him? How will I know if I'm on the right road? Well, I'm glad you asked. I said at the beginning that we started with, blessed is the man. Blessed is the individual. Blessed is the person, and it says the things they do and don't do. Here's something that's not so secret. I'm not that man. You are not that person, that individual that Psalm 1 is describing. We're not. So then who is the person who always, constantly delighted in the Word of God? Who cherished it, who treasured it, who meditated on it day and night? When you hit him, it's as if he bled God's Word. Saying things as he quoted Deuteronomy, people don't live by, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Who prospered in everything that he did? In God's eyes, the eyes that matter, where God would say, this is the one. This is the man, if you will. In him I am well pleased. We're talking about Jesus. The road to blessing 
None of us would find ourselves on that road. We would all go along with all the masses toward the road to destruction, the temporal things. All of us, without exception. He died for his enemies, including us. Without the intervention of the one Psalm 1 is talking about, of Jesus, the Son of God, who came for us, who lived the kind of life Psalm 1 is describing of the blessed person, of the, the person who's right with God, the only one that can stand in the gap, the only one that can stand over against all of the ungodly, the only one who stands innocent, just, pure, blessed in God's eyes is Jesus. And he calls us to himself and he says, listen, give your life to me. That's what the story of the Bible is about. God coming to rescue his people, to restore the world, to restore our relationship with him, where we can say joyfully, gratefully, because of him I'm not on the road to destruction. Because of him there is forgiveness, as Psalm 32 says. Blessed is the one, the person whose sins are not counted against them, who's forgiven. And as we're going to see at the end of Psalm 2 next week, the other part of the introduction to the psalm, remember, striving to obey God's law as we await God's Messiah. And it says at the end of Psalm 2, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The person described in Psalm 2, the Messiah, God the Son. Are you taking refuge in him today? If you have any doubts about that, if there are sober moments in your life, whether at a church service, funeral service, in the middle of the night you can't sleep and you wonder, how am I going to account for my life? How can I have assurance? How can I know that at the end of it all it actually is going to be okay? Please, please, please. Come talk to me. Come pray with me. Come find somebody here. Tap on a shoulder. Odds are very good they'll say, I would love to pray for you. And if they don't, tell me who they are afterwards and I'll go straight to them. <laughs> But seriously, we'd love to pray for you. We're going to take communion in a little bit and celebrate what Jesus did. The blessed one who came, lived, died for us, and gives us the hope of the future of the kinds of blessings that we just talked about today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for the truth that you've revealed, for the counsel, for the wisdom that you want to give to us, and for us to accept But God would you forgive us of not always delighting in it. Would you help us, Lord, to spur one another on, to cherish, treasure you, to delight in your word, to learn to grow in our relationship with you. And Lord, we admit wholeheartedly that we are not the one that Psalm 1 is talking about, that has always delighted in you and has prospered in everything that we've done in the way that you have designed that has not always meditated on your word day and night and filled it, filled our heart and imagination, and that we're always speaking it. We haven't done that. We strive, Lord, but we fail. And you told us that would happen. And you told us that very law that we delight in can also, it should also cripple us so that we admit we've fallen, we're weak, we're needy, we're lost, and we need you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming for us. 
living, dying for us, rescuing us, that we can find shelter, refuge in you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Before we uh, take another opportunity to respond corporately, uh, worshiping God through song together, we're going to set aside some time for the people of God to celebrate the Lord's Supper with the Sacrament of Communion. And if you are here today, and if you're a follower of Christ, you're welcome to celebrate communion with us. If you're uncomfortable with that, if you're uncomfortable with taking communion with us, I would encourage you not to. Because communion is a sacrament, and it is for those who call themselves believers and Christians and Christ followers, so there's no judgment. Um, we have pre-practice community elements. If you haven't grabbed one already, there is a bucket over there in the center of the park where you can grab one of those. We're going to walk through the sacrament together today, so if you can please uh, get your elements prepared. And I will read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where it says this, Let a person examine himself, then so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause for a few minutes of silent examination and silent confession before God to prepare our hearts. here to in silence to thank God, to thank our Savior for giving his life for our sin so that we can be reconciled to God, which is what this represents. Let's thank God together silently. So in 1 Corinthians, it says, The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks for it, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat. And in the same way also he took the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord your sacrifice, for making a way for us to remember your sacrifice clearly and often by way of communion. We're grateful for the sacrament, and we're grateful to be your children. Amen. Let's stand, and we will respond in, in worship.
Philippians 3, 7 through 9. says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ.
Amen. That clapping just seems so far away. Um, usually at this time in our service, we would uh, be taking our tithes and our offerings, but we're not going to be passing the bucket here. So in lieu of that, we've set up ways to give electronically, which is uh, something you can do by following the link on your guide page there. If you uh, choose to give and tithe electronically, uh, there are steps there that will walk you right through that. Um, next week, we are going to be back in our regular meeting place, which is three or four blocks that way at the um, Troy Boys and Girls Club. We meet there every Sunday at 10 a.m. So if you're checking us out here for the first time, feel welcome to uh, continue to join us over there in our regular space. Uh, one other announcement you also will see on the guide page that our next outdoor event is going to be our church picnic. Uh, right now, we want to get ahead of it. We want to start building a planning team for the picnic. So if you are interested in helping out in any ways regarding setting up, grilling, anything, you know, church picnic related, um, I would encourage you to reach out as soon as you can to Blake Philippi. It's Blake at TerranovaChurch.org so we can start getting ready for our church picnic. And uh, also one other thing, if uh, you signed up for the baptism class, just a reminder that that class is today at noon at 415 River Street. We're gonna close this time together outside with one more musical and poetic statement of our Christian faith.
Amen? Amen. Let's go with this benediction. Once again, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen? Go with God's grace.